Hi, everybody. How goes the battle? Victorious. Victorious indeed. Whew, it warmed up, didn't it? Wow. Well, we want to welcome you on, uh, to Faith Christian Center on behalf of uh, our pastor, uh, Pastor John Pfeffer and Miss Anita. Uh, her and having a enjoying a vacation uh, this week, and and uh, we bless them and pray for a wonderful, refreshing, and rejuvenating time that they would experience the peace and rest and joy and strength of Christ like never before. In Jesus' name, and we're so glad you're here because you're very important to God. You're the only you that He's ever created. You're one of a kind, custom made. And we wonder if there's any, anyone here tonight for the very first time. It's your first time at Faith Christian Center. Would you just raise your hand right now? Anyone at all? Your first time at Faith Christian Center. All right. Anyone else? First time. We want to give you a welcome packet. Anyone else? Okay. We're so glad you're here. And, and, and you, you have uh, brightened our day. Because we want you to know how much God loves you. And uh, if you'll just fill out that um, little card that comes with the packet, we'd like to, uh, our pastor would like to send you a letter, welcome you and thanking you for joining us. And at the end of the service, when the offering container goes by, you can just put that right in there. That'd be great. And you can keep the, uh, the rest of it and take it with you to remember us by until you're back on Sunday, right? Awesome. Hallelujah. Well, God is good. Big game coming up here on Sunday, huh? Super Bowl. Hey, this is a, an historic Super Bowl, you know. It's only the second time in history where two brothers have coached opposing teams. Do you remember the first one? You remember Cain and Abel? Didn't work out too well. But no, just kidding. But actually, the economy's uh, been, been so bad, it's even affected the Super Bowl. I don't know if you've heard about that. But uh, instead of doing the coin toss this year, they're going to have to do uh, rock, paper, and scissors. So. Okay. How many are rooting for the red team? The purple team. How many don't care? Yeah. I'm with you. Good opportunity to get some pizza, though. So. Well, God is good. How many people here have ever heard of uh, social media? Social media. How many people have heard of Facebook? Yeah. How many people have heard of MySpace? Yeah. Social media. Uh, I think there's over 200 social media websites and. I think the first one in the United States was called Friendster. And then MySpace uh, was basically a clone of Friendster and became huge. It was the largest one until Facebook took over. What's the draw with social media? You ever think about that? It's not a relationship. Connection, absolutely. Relationship, right? Sure. MySpace. When MySpace connects with your space, good things happen, right? Because we're, we're each unique individuals. We each have different giftings and different perspectives. So I can learn from you and you can learn from me. 
Relationship is beneficial. So my space connecting with your space and your space connecting with his space. And all of a sudden, we get, we, the picture grows and we begin to see things we couldn't see before. So relationship is the draw. Now, we know from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 in the book of beginnings, that God is the creator of space. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning is time. God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. So God is the author of time, space, and matter. And God created space. And we know our God that he doesn't create anything without purpose. That he creates everything with a purpose. So you are occupying a space. Did you know that? God created you, God created you to occupy the space you're occupying, the dimensions of height, width, and depth of you. So if God created space and God created everything for a purpose, what's the purpose of your space? What's the purpose of the, of the height, width, and depth that you occupy? Must have been something I ate. We'll see. <laughs> well, we find in the Word. Are we on? Are we still on? Okay. Just wait till my stomach settles here. So God created time, space, and matter. I don't know if you can hear me or not, but I'll just keep talking. So, God created time, space, and matter. And we know that nature abhors a vacuum. A vacuum would be a place that's void of all substance, energy. We could say void of purpose. Vacuum, a true vacuum doesn't exist. You can't find anyone, any, any vacuums anywhere in the universe. That's because God doesn't create empty things. God creates space to be filled. And not only does God create space to be filled, but He knows what it's to be filled, He knows what it is to be filled with, and He knows how to fill it. Would you open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 45? Isaiah chapter 45, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for leading and guiding us and speaking to us tonight. Lord, we rely on you completely. We need all that you are in our lives all the time. Speak to us tonight, Lord. Mold us and shape us. Change us. Save and heal and deliver in this place tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So nature abhors empty things. Nature abhors a vacuum. A vacuum. God created space to be filled, and he knows what, what it is that's to fill that space, and he knows how to fill it. In fact, God, in his sovereign wisdom, created a universe, talk about space, that has been expanding since the day it was created. And within this seemingly limitless expanse of space, God in His sovereign wisdom, He chose to create so many galaxies that we can't even count them. 
And within these innumerable galaxies, God in his sovereign, sovereign wisdom chose to create the Milky Way galaxy. And he chose to put in that galaxy a solar system with a planet called Earth. And on that planet Earth, he chose to, to put uh, continents. And in a particular continent, he chose to put nations. And in a certain nation, he chose to put uh, states. And in, in a certain state, in a certain town, on a certain street, in a certain home, he chose to create a space called you. And he didn't create you to be empty or to be discouraged or to be frustrated or to be depressed or to be prideful. He created you to be filled. Now this idea that God creates to fill is different from what we hear in the world. I'll give you an example. Isaiah chapter 45, verse, let's start in verse um, 17. But Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Ye shall not be ashamed nor confounded world without end. Verse 18, for thus saith the Lord, which Lord is this? The Lord that created the heavens. God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain, void of purpose, void of substance, energy. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. God formed the earth to be inhabited. Now, I don't know about you, but that's very different from what I heard I think back to when I was a child watching TV with my family. There was one show that my family watched um, regularly. Now, we didn't read the Bible. We didn't follow Christ. But I remember to this day, there is a reoccurring theme in this television show. And that reoccurring theme was that the world is overpopulated. That there's too many people on the planet. And here I am, maybe, I don't know, five, six years old watching this thinking, oh, no. You know, then we drive into Pittsburgh. And I'd see all these cars. And, and then, you know, we'd be sitting on a bridge for who knows how long in a traffic jam. And I'd think in my head, oh, no. We're going to fall off the earth. There's too many people on the planet. But when I began reading the Bible, my whole perspective changed. And I found there, things, there are things you can only understand through the word of God. That apart from the word of God, your space begins to get cloudy. You can't see things as God designed you to see things. And fears will enter into your space and cause you to come to conclusions that are not accurate. Is the world overpopulated? Let me give you some stats. It's so important if we want our space to be filled with the right things that we believe the right things. It's so important who we listen to and what we accept as truth. Because when you, allow, when you accept something as truth, you allow that into your space. And the atmosphere of your space begins to change. Give you some stats here. These are just regular old stats from, from regular old people who take stats. USA, good old United States of America, there's a total of 2.3 billion, with a B, acres in the United States. 
you took all the urban areas plus the highways, the non-agricultural roads, the railroads, the airports, take it all and put it all together, you get a total of 61 million acres. That's 2.65% of the total land in the United States. So take Los Angeles, New York, Jacksonville, Chicago, Detroit, put every city, put it all together. That's just 2.65% of the total land in the United States. Less than 3%. It's been exposed that the entire world population could fit in the state of Texas, each being allotted 2,000 square feet apiece, and the rest of the world would be empty. If we placed every person in the whole world together, shoulder to shoulder, giving them two and a half feet apiece, in one place on the earth, they would need 633 square miles. The city limits of Jacksonville, Florida, are 874 square miles. You can take the entire world population, which is currently 7 billion, 62 million, 587,105,67. You could take all those people, every one of us, stand us shoulder to shoulder, and we'd easily fit within the city limits of Jacksonville, Florida, with plenty of room to spare. This is from a former director of an Ivy League population study. This director estimated that the agricultural resources of the world were capable of providing an adequate diet for 40, 40 billion people and that it would require the use of less than 25% of the Earth's ice-free land area. It's estimated that the less developed continents were capable of feeding 18 billion people and that Africa alone was capable of feeding 10 billion people. There is no shortage of food or resources, despite what you have heard. The reason that some are without is because many have chosen to leave God out of the equation. You can't govern a city, a town, a state, a nation without God. If you try and do that, things are going to be mismanaged. Resources are going to go to the wrong places or too much over here and too little over there. Human beings crowd together not because of lack of space on the planet, but for one another to exchange goods and services relationship. Here's something interesting that I read. Our cities and towns have always thronged with people and traffic, horses, donkeys, camels, and ages past, motor vehicles today. There's been a reoccurring, recurring theme throughout history of overpopulation. Plato and Aristotle worry, worried about it a half a millennium before Christ. St. Jerome in the 4th century wrote, The world is already full and the population is too large for the soil. Monasteries, he believed, might solve the problem. <clears throat> What ends up happening when you let fear form your beliefs, you give the enemy a right away in your space. And so here's a man thinking the solution is to isolate, 
Let's get men. Let's not allow them to be married. Let's go put them in a monastery away from the rest of the people. Maybe that will solve the problem. God didn't create us to be isolated. God didn't create us to be alone and away from everyone else. He made us, he made our space to be connected to other spaces. He made us to be in relationship with him and in relationship with one another in him. My space. That's the title of tonight's message, by, by the way. My space. Now, this is interesting. Without anyone ever telling us, telling us this, we know that God has given each of us our own personal space. I'm going to demonstrate it to you. I'll use Denny. Since you're Denny, could you stand up here with me? So Denny has his own personal space, which God gave him, and it's a good thing, and I have mine. Now, it varies a little bit from culture to culture. But if I walk up to Denny and I meet Denny for the very first time, you've never met me before, and I say, hi, my name's Joseph. And you say your name. Now, was that strange to you at all? No. Now, let's pretend we've never met before, and I do this. (laughs) Hi, my name's Joseph. (laughs) Is that strange? Now, if, if, if we were out on the street somewhere, you would have probably what? You know, back up. Right? Why is that? Thank you, sir. That's just in us, right? That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. We have this inherent personal space that God has given us. And how close someone can get to us, how far they can come into my space, depends on the depth of my relationship with them. My wife, no problem. Right? She can come as close as she wants. Why? Because the depth of our relationship, we're one. The depth of my relationship with someone is determined by the purpose of my relationship with them. If my purpose is great, the depth is great. So our space is very important and who we connect our space to is very important. God gave us this inherent uh, sense of personal space and he wants to fill it with himself. Would you turn to 1 Corinthians? Have you thought much about your personal space? Sometimes if you've been uh, abused or mistreated, you can have a warped sense of your personal space. And the boundaries that God gave you can be broken or warped. Or twist it. But God wants to make you strong in Him. He wants you to be confident when you get up in the morning, knowing that He's with you and He's in you wherever you go. And that you don't have to be afraid of anyone or anything. God wants to restore what the enemy has tried to take. So God does not create empty things. In fact, God's the opposite of empty. He's on the the, the opposite end of the spectrum. You you can't get any more full than him. He's he's not just full. He's continually overflowing with nonstop energy in life. Life and energy just pour out of him continually. 
The only thing empty about God is evil. Not a trace of it there. So this changed my life when I, when I began to, when I read this verse uh, back in 1989 in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because up to then, I really didn't know what my body or my space was for. And no one could tell me. So I was a, a, a man of about 19 at that time. And I knew what the world told me my body was for. But then I read this. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God will do away with both of them. Now the body is not for fornication, sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Let me read it to you out of the Living Bible. I can do anything I want to if Christ has not said no. But some of these things aren't good for me. Even if I am allowed to do them, I'll refuse to if I think they might get such a grip on me that I can't easily stop when I want to. For instance, take the matter of eating. God has given us an appetite for food and stomachs to digest it, but that doesn't mean that we should eat more than we need. Don't think of eating as important. Because someday God will do away with both stomachs and food. But sexual sin is never right. Our bodies were not made for that, but for the Lord. And the Lord wants to fill our bodies with himself. Do you know that the purpose of your body is for God to fill you up with himself. I never knew that. Changed my whole life. Amplified says this, food is intended for the stomach and the stomach for food. The body is not intended for sexual immorality, but is intended for the Lord. And the Lord is intended for the body. Now look at your body and repeat after me. You were made for the Lord. Your purpose is to be filled with Him. Amen. I began to tell myself that or things similar to that after I read this verse. And I begin, whatever I begin doing, doing my exercise or workouts or whatever, I look at my body. And I say, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your purpose is to be full of God. Tell yourself that. Tell your body why it was made. Tell your body what its purpose is. So that changed my life. If we kept reading in verse 15, we find out uh, that it says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. And in verse 18... It says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple 
of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So God wants you to fill your space with him. How do we do that? Good question. Let's go to Ephesians. My space is meant to be filled with him. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's start in verse 1. And you hath he quickened your space, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Pay attention to that phrase. The prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. There's a whole lot here. And let's start. We're talking about filling our space with God and how we do that. Right? God, God is the author of time, space, and matter, and He created you. He created your space, not to be empty or depressed or discouraged or confused or lacking in any way but to be full and to be overflowing with Him, with His provision, with His wisdom, with His strength, with His life, with His joy, with His peace, with His counsel. And He has a method of doing that. If you're born again, then God has, come, he has made His home in you. But even if you're born again, you can give right away to the wrong things and miss out on the abundant life that he longs to give you. So the Bible refers to this being as the prince of the power of the air. And who is who's the Bible talking about? Yeah, Satan. Satan. In fact, there's a, it refers to him in a, by a few different names. One of them, I think Paul says he's the God of this world. Jesus referred to him, I think, as the prince of this world. But this is an interesting uh, statement here. The prince of the power of the air. What's in your space? Just about in every space we have air, right? Well, what is air? It's the stuff we breathe. The prince of the power of the air. You can't live without air. It's the stuff you breathe. It's vital, naturally speaking. Spiritually speaking, what is the power of the air? power of the air air is a medium 
which transmits words. Words are the power of the air. When I speak, my vocal cords vibrate and make sound waves. And those sound waves come out of my mouth and do what waves do. They push the air back. So when I speak, I'm moving air. Words move air. The prince of the power of the air. My space is filled with air. When I speak words, I move the air in my space. I change the atmosphere of my space. My space is filled with my words. We don't recognize the power of words. Or we haven't recognized it enough. In the beginning was the Word. God is exalted even above His name. His very own Word. The prince of the power of the air. Now look what it says. It goes on. It continues to talk about words. Verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation. In times past. Who do we have conversation with? We have conversation with whatever or whoever we worship. And we have conversation with the relationships, the people in our lives. Well, the word is saying before Christ, you had a conversation. In times past, you had conversations in the lusts of your flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. Before I was saved... I had conversations with people that were very different than the conversations I have now because I've read the Word of God, meditated in the Word of God, learned the Word of God, and it's changed the way I converse. What is conversation? Conversation is to exchange ideas through words. You see, the, the devil's the prince of the power of the air. He wants you to, he wants to exchange God's ideas for his in your space through words. He, want, he wants you to hear words that are not from God, to entertain them, to mull them over, to muse on them, to think on them, and to accept them as truth. Overpopulation is a great example. Because of that untruth that so many have accepted, it's, Amazing the amount of time, energy, and resources that are being spent around the world trying to fix problems that don't exist. They exist in the mind of man. It's amazing the problems those solutions are causing. And that's what happens when we let the prince of the power of the air in. We, start, we put our time and energy resources into things we think are solutions, but they're making the problem worse. In times past, we had conversation. I remember very distinctly, uh, probably in seventh or eighth grade, as a young man, I said, I'm not going to swear. I'm not going to curse or swear. I don't know why I said that. I just did. I wasn't a believer. But there was a certain point, all the guys I hung out with did. A lot. You know, 12, 13, 14 years old. And eventually, I had, obviously, I, I spent time with them. My space was connected to their space. And their conversation came into my space. 
As I spent time with them, I exchanged ideas with them through words. And the words that they spoke were not good words. And inherently, my space filled up with their words. And I began to say just what they say. And it dramatically altered the course of my life. But this conversation that the Bible is speaking of is much more than just cursing or swearing or saying things that are inappropriate. It is beliefs, ideas, the way you see yourself, the way you see God, the way you see the world around you. So the prince of the power of the air wants you to see the world as he sees it. He wants you to see yourself as he sees you. He doesn't consider you valuable at all. The only value you have to Satan is to try and get back at God by doing you harm. He doesn't care for you at all, this prince of the power of the air. But he has no power over your air if you'll speak the word of God in your life. So whatever your space, your space might be cloudy tonight. Your space might be dark. Your space might be lonely. But you can change your space tonight by, get, by beginning to speak the very words of God over your life. The promises of God. The praise of God. Praise is amazing and an unstoppable weapon to the enemy. The Bible exhorts us to praise. Why is that? Air is where the power is. When I clap my hands, you just heard a sound. That sound was the air being pushed out of the way. Sound moves air. If we had a grand piano up here, there'd be, if we had a, like a 12-foot Steinway grand, they have very long, thick strings in them. And when you strike the key, a hammer hits that string and it vibrates that thick string and it sends, it sends sound waves through the air. It moves the air. See? When I say, Jesus, you're Lord of my life, I'm pushing against the atmosphere. I'm changing the atmosphere around me. I'm releasing light from my mouth. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, be magnified in my life. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, you are my Lord. I give my heart and life completely to you. There is no one anywhere like you. I'm now filling my space with life and light. The devil cannot stay in the atmosphere of true praise. Faith-filled, heart-spoken praise. He despises it. It's like kryptonite to Superman, although he's not Superman. I was trying to think of a, Lex Luthor's weakness, but I don't know what he had. It's, it's a weakness to the enemy. He can't take it. He can't take, he's trying to keep you from praising God by giving you some of his ideas in your life. 
So as the Lord is ministering to us tonight, I want you to think about what, if, what do I believe about myself? Am I, am I discouraged? Am I down? Am I frustrated in my relationships or in my marriage? What, what is it that I believe about the situations and relationships in my life? Why do I believe that? And what does God have to say about that? Let's, I want to read some scriptures to you. You don't have to turn to them. But we could literally stay here for quite a long time if we read all of the scriptures in the Word of God that exhort us to make noise, to shout loudly, to praise Him. God understands how life works. God understands that without air we can't breathe. We can't live. He understands what the power of the air is, that words, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And He wants us to speak life. He wants us to praise Him. So I want to exhort you tonight to praise Him, to use your words in your life to praise Him. It may seem wherever you're at, it might seem like there is no way out of your situation, that you don't have a chance, that it's happened too many times, that there just doesn't seem to be any way for provision to come or for things to change. I want to challenge you and exhort you to just open up your mouth and begin to praise Him. Change your, change your atmosphere. And when I begin to worship Him, what I'm doing, I'm giving the God who lives inside of me right away in my life. As great as God is, He still will not violate our will. He's made us, in a sense, sovereign in our space. No one is to violate our space. And when someone tries, we defend ourselves. And that's how we're made, and that's good. It's a safety mechanism. But God, even though He came and made our home in us through Christ, He still honors that. So I have to consciously employ my will. And say, Jesus, I worship you. And it might feel like the last thing you ever want to say. Because the devil will put pressure on you to speak his words and to believe his ideas. But listen to the word of God. Psalm 98, verse 4. Make a joyful noise. What's that sound like? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the earth, make a loud noise. A loud noise. Move lots of air. Move lots of air. Push back. Move the darkness out of your space and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph and songs of joy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Not think so. Say so. Thinking so won't do it. You've got to say so. I say that all things are going to work out for my good because God is my Father. I say that God, my Father, will accomplish the things that concern you. 
I say that those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I say that the Lord is your shepherd and that he's leading you beside still waters, that he's restoring your soul, that he's leading you in paths of righteousness, that he's guiding and directing you, that Jesus Christ has become wisdom unto you. That's what I say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like saying hallelujah. I like moving air. And the air gets lighter when you praise him. Have you noticed that? Have you ever been really down? And you begin to just praise him and worship him. And you just praise. And there comes a moment when things lift. And that's a glorious thing. Don't let anything settle on you. Keep that lift up. Keep the air light. For his yoke is easy and his load is light. Keep the air light. Keep moving air. Keep praising him. Keep exalting him. Keep pushing back. Let all those, Psalm 40, 16, let all those that seek thee rejoice. You got to be kidding in the world we live in. Yes. Yes. Let all those that see, see, it's, it doesn't matter how bad it gets. We have victory in Christ and we have the answer for every problem. So the news doesn't bother us other than to pray. It doesn't get us down, right? We don't let the heavy report of the enemy get us down, right? Because our atmosphere is full of light. It's full of light and we speak light. We speak life. We, we move and change the atmosphere. So when we come to work, the atmosphere changes. Right? In our cubicle, the atmosphere is different. It is. Right? On our truck, the atmosphere is different. Right? In our office, the atmosphere. In our classroom, the atmosphere is different. Hallelujah. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. How often should we say that? Continually. Right? Right? Whenever I get a moment, oh, the Lord be magnified. Right? I hear some disturbing news. The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. What does that mean? Victory. Solutions. Answers. Answers. See, when Jesus stood outside of Lazarus' tomb and was talking with his sisters, he he talked about God being glorified. And they don't know what they thought. Well, maybe, yeah, when you you come again and in heaven, sure. No. I am the resurrection and life. I'm the solution to your problem. God being glorified in your life means victory. It means answers. It means abundant provision. It means overflowing joy. It means undisturbed well-being. The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. See, we're changing the atmosphere. The Lord be magnified. That's not an abstract statement that has to do with heaven. That's a here and now statement that changes the world we live in. The Lord be magnified. It's not a religious statement. It's a declaration of who He is and of His authority in my space. The Lord be magnified. 
the Lord be magnified. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. One of my favorites, Romans 10, 9 and 2. And I think too often Christians have put this into a box of someone saying a prayer to get to heaven, but it's far, far more than that. Verse 9 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. God's salvation comes on the scene. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the mouth your life is changed. With the mouth clinical depression, whatever that is, is broken. With the mouth sickness is is driven away. With the mouth health is restored. With the mouth comes peace of mind. With the mouth comes God's provision. With the mouth comes an intimate relationship with Him. With the mouth comes life and life abundantly. It's the way God has set it up. And God created you to be filled with Him. And He wants to fill your space with His praise. And as you choose to fill your space with His praise, you're giving God the right of way to fill you up with Himself. Hallelujah. Let's praise Him. Lord, we love you tonight. We bless you. We give you praise. We push back against the enemy, Lord, and we lift you up. We worship you. We fill the atmosphere of this place with your praise. And we give you all the glory, Lord. You're great and you're worthy of praise. The Lord be magnified in every life, in every home, in every marriage, in every child. The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified in your family. The Lord be magnified in your home. The Lord be magnified in your marriage. The Lord be magnified with your children. The Lord be magnified in your job. In Jesus' name, the Lord be magnified. Fill our space, Lord. We give you right away and we open up our mouths and we bless you, Lord. We worship you. You're God and you're worthy of praise. You're God and you're worthy of praise. And we bless you tonight, oh Lord. Jesus, you're Lord of our space. You're Lord of our lives. Show yourself, Lord. We love you and praise you. Have your way in our lives. Have your way, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Shout unto the Lord. Shout unto his name. Give him the praise. Bless him and glorify his name. Make a loud noise. Hallelujah. Why should we be soft? Why should we be soft? The devil doesn't play fair. Don't be soft. Be loud for God. He's worthy. He's worthy of the noise. He's worthy of the noise. He's worthy of the noise. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. He's worthy.
the noise. He's worthy of our vocal cords. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray together as we're standing. Father, we thank you tonight for the ministry of your Holy Spirit and the ministry of your word. We thank you. And Lord, we give you full right away in our lives to fill our space with you. Our bodies belong to you. We recognize that our bodies are your temple. And Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We recognize that without you, we are nothing. We have nothing. We know nothing. We can do nothing. But thank you, Father, that we are not without you. That with you, we can do all things. That in you, we have all things. And we thank you for that. 